Okay, so this is episode 11, and Sharon and I are going to focus on the theme of choices today. And the title of this podcast is going to be Choices as Resources, and we'll get into that after the meditation. But why don't we start with that? And I'd like to invite you, Sharon, and the listeners or the viewers or however you're watching this to close your eyes. And I'd like you to notice that it's an invitation um, and that you make the final decision and choice of what to do with your eyes. Maybe you don't at this moment uh, want to close your eyes, but gently gaze at some object around you that can act as an anchor for you. So being aware of what's happening on the inside and maybe connecting with a breath to ground yourself and just allowing yourself to focus on whatever's happening inside your body at this moment. Just noticing your breath and perhaps making a choice of whether you would like to take a slow breath in, a deep breath in, and gently exhaling. And just allowing your body to relax, seeing if you can make a conscious choice to focus on relaxing your body, softening your muscles, allowing the chair or wherever you happen to be sitting or if you're lying down, allowing the furniture to do the work of holding up your body and just letting everything sink down. And just recognizing that the act of relaxing can be a strength for you. It can be strengthening your body to take a moment to gather yourself, to gather strength, to be able to look. And look at what's going on inside of your experience. But for now, just connecting to the core of you, that which is called by your name without any specific agenda or goal. And in whatever position your body is in, just being aware of how you feel physically and again, making a choice if you need to move or wiggle or do something to feel even more comfortable and even more relaxed. You might consider softening the muscles of your face 
the muscles around your neck. And you can always use your breath, a deep inhalation in and an exhalation out to let go of any tension. And as you let go of that which you don't need, stress or tension, you give yourself an opportunity to connect more to yourself. And I'd just like to give you a simple message that you taking the time to connect to yourself, to slow down, is a gift. It's a gift to yourself, and it's a gift to those that know you and have relationships with you. Because you can bring an energy of softness, of relaxation, of openness to others when that's what you're creating, as you're creating now. So, if you'd like to give yourself a message of appreciation, of gratitude for joining us and taking a moment to breathe and relax and appreciating yourself. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to slowly, slowly come back and join us and open your eyes and orient yourself back to the room, making a sound or a wiggle, rolling your shoulders, doing a stretch. <sighs> and uh, we'll get started. So, Sharon, how are you feeling? No, oh, that was fantastic. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> oh, I needed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's a, on the theme of choices, there's a, a lot of ground that we could cover. Um, something that you were talking to me about uh, before we got started was uh, some of the tragedies that are happening in, in the United States and in, in your home country. I'm in Canada. Um, and it, it, it will be, I think a challenge to see how we can integrate that. But I think the theme of choice, at least as one aspect of mm -hmm. what's going on in, in these kinds of tragedies and these kinds of situations uh, might be important, especially I think in terms of how people cope with it yes. um, as uh, you know, how, however close or far you are to the situation, trying to make sense of the, the, the tragedies that are happening um, is, is going to be important and that always involves what choices am, am i making with what i do with my feelings with uh -huh. my perceptions yes. uh with with how i connect or not connect with other people so yes. uh sharon i'm wondering if you could uh just for those that aren't aware of, of what's going on and live under a rock like me um if you could just summarize what's going on and uh -huh. your own thoughts about it well uh over the uh weekend uh, this is today is August 5th, so uh, on Monday. So on Friday night, um, a man went into a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, with a military style 
weapon and slaughtered many people. Um, I think 20 died and an incredible number of people were injured. And then the next night, uh, a man went into an area that's uh, downtown Dayton that's known for everybody kind of having a good time and coming together. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice district as I understand it and you know a lot of fun things go on there so people are drawn to it. Mm -hmm. And he killed nine people and I don't know how many were injured. I mean it's just um, an amazingly horrific weekend in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so in the process of I've done a lot of reading since about mass shootings and listening to programs and there was a, uh, uh, a man named uh, Thomas App, A-B-T, who's a professor at Harvard, mm -hmm. uh, who's written a book called Bleeding Out. And they interviewed him and he said there are four kinds of categories of gun violence in the United States. Mass shootings are the most dramatic and because we had two within 24 hours it's it's even more dramatic. They're actually only two percent. Suicides are a huge percent as is what he calls urban violence, other people call city violence. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because as I was thinking about that I'm just getting ready to publish a book uh, called Choosing Your Life Stories, trans mm. inspiration, inspirational stories from the streets of LA, which is okay. about my experience. I've collected 17 stories of people who have chosen to turn their lives around. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. And um, so we're talking about choice. Um, and what I, I've thought a lot about different kinds of choice, Tim. And I think that the, just like there are different categories of gun deaths, I think there are different categories of choices. There's the choices in terms of externally, how you're dealing with the daily frustrations. Mm -hmm. You know, like M-I-N-I -I, many choices, you know, am I gonna cuss at that person to just cut me off or let it go? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and then there's the um, internal choices of how am I treating myself, big and little. Um, and then the, the choices around what I would call the major or fundamental choices uh, that absolutely can be life changing, and that's. That's what I saw with the um, stories that I, the, the people I interviewed that I've worked with who have turned their lives around. They made fundamental choices and, and for most of them there was a spiritual mm. piece of that okay. that, has, that has stayed with them forever. So it's like there's this continuum, right? Yeah. I had I've, I've read many years ago about a fundamental choice. And, um, and then when I began to hear the stories from the, the 
people from L.A., I went, wow. It felt to me like they had made a fundamental choice. Mm. Yeah, I like that concept because, you know, as it relates to something as uh, human beings being narrative beings and that stories are so powerful Mm -hmm. to what drives us, you know, it's it's part of our meaning-making languaging centers of our being and we're we're in the midst of our story and we're trying to make sense of the events that are happening in our lives outside of our lives around us uh but the the fundamental choice and the things that tap into let's say the spiritual or the existential realm of uh is life good is life Mm -hmm. worth living Uh, what is the nature of people And, and trying to get and i think those have to do with fundamental beliefs about the world and about ourselves and other people in it and are those beliefs enabling or empowering us to live in a life-affirming way is it allowing us to express and manifest and to interact with others in a way where things grow rather than things becoming destructive Uh Uh, and um you know what maybe something to add to this idea like it rather than you know i think it's something to parse out or to figure out whether there you can create a model of different choices but how i was thinking about in preparation for today that i think there's choices within within what we've been describing as the iceberg Mm -hmm. and the iceberg is a metaphor just to explain it to people it's a metaphor to explain uh the various forms of consciousness and i use the iceberg so to to sort of illustrate it the tip of the iceberg is much less than the the entire body of the iceberg. Uh-huh. So what you see on the surface is everything that you would see in terms of behavior, uh-huh. uh, in terms of action, in terms of what is said, uh-huh. uh, what, whatever your senses would pick up. So mostly behavior. Uh-huh. And then below the surface is everything that's going on internally. Uh-huh. Right? So feelings, feelings about those feelings. So if I'm angry, I might feel shame because you know maybe I grew up in a home where anger was not allowed. Uh And then I might have perceptions. Oh, this person doesn't like me anymore or um, a a judgment about them. Like, Uh you know, and then there's expectations and expectations can come from our family of origin. Uh And then there can be family rules and so on and so forth, desires and yearning. So there's many different things that inform what's going on in how we experience life. Uh And so having these different categories within the iceberg when you look at those different elements, then you could look at choice as choice as a resource is your ability to choose how you're going to cope or how how you're going to perceive things or what choices you will make around expectations. Right. Uh-huh. So whatever. And in my in my work with people, some people they they're experiencing life mostly from the level of emotion or from feeling. Uh And so choices that can empower them around what are you going to do with your feelings, uh, the the reactive feelings you have, the attitude you have towards those feelings, thinking about choice can empower and open up uh, transformation around that aspect Uh of their experience. Uh So for someone else who may be more cognitive and maybe more rational in their thinking, choices around their the story, their perceptions, their expectations, maybe the beginning place, you know, before they get deeper into experiencing something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think choices at the level of what what is the 
form of consciousness that's bubbling up, right? Uh So from one person to the other, based on their experiences, based on their temperament, it may be something different, but you could bring the idea of making empowered choices to anything. And one of the things that um, I was also thinking about is the idea that, you know, being able to make choices is a resource that, but you are not your choices. So how, so it's the idea of not identifying with a particular choice because one choice shouldn't define you. Right? Uh-huh. Choices that you make are the best choices that you can make at a moment in time. But the fact that you have the capacity to make choices is a resource inside of you and is a part of you. Uh-huh. So, so thinking about it that way, it's, it's, I think to free, it helps free me up to make mistakes. So I'm taking the best information of what I have to make a choice, but it's so important to make a decision to say, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. This is what my will is saying that I, I really need to do. Uh-huh. And then, but the outcome beyond that is then when I'm engaged in the unknown and um, I don't have to every, have everything figured out. Um, but anyway, so that's thinking about forms of consciousness, the iceberg as a metaphor uh-huh. for that. And then integrating that with choice. Okay, I have choices about all aspects of my experience. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that oh, the power of choice around perception is really really important. Mm-hmm. That, that we can choose to question our perception that mm. we all instant, you know, every, every one of us assumes that whatever I'm perceiving is accurate. Yeah. And the fact that it's my own database, all my years and experience and conclusions and expectations, all of that, it's like putting on my glasses. Yeah. And so, um, I've been particularly struck with that and, thinking about all this reading I've been trying to do on gun violence because um, they talk so much about what they call my side bias. You know, that the perception, the facts don't matter. The, The perception is, no, this is my tribe over here. And so whatever you're trying to convince me of, my perception says, no, I'm not taking that in. Facts don't matter. Or, Can you give me an example of that? Uh, um, concrete. Somebody uh, says that they are um, have a strong value in honesty, and they voted for Trump. And they will say, "Well, it doesn't matter to me if he's dishonest." All right. You know, it just doesn't matter because he's in my tribe. Okay. So okay. the identification with the group means that that they'll overlook something. That yes. They'll, okay. Yeah. And, and it's, I think the, the more polarized we become, the more uh, this is becoming an issue is that that you can say, well, let's look at the facts and you can make choices in your life. And, and that that's or the gun violence issue. Let's look at the fact that, you know, we have a horrific epidemic going on in the United States. 
but if you are afraid that that means to you, your perception says that means somebody's going to come and take away my control of my guns and I'm not going to be safe, you are, you are going to be um, unwilling to bring in anything else into your perception. So this is a, 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 I was on a call yesterday with a group of people who are interested in satire works and one of them pointed out an article uh, in the New Yorker magazine called Why Facts Don't Change Our Minds. And what, what she was saying, what the article was talking about is that what I would say is we get into parts, we get into defensive parts. Mm-hmm. And if we're, if we're going to help each other choose how to live differently for the betterment of the world, We've got to come back up into the self and, and, and choose to say, okay, I'm open. I want to hear where you're coming from. I want to help try to help understand how you came to that. Mm-hmm. I want to help you try to understand how I came to that. Because the conclusion of this author is it's only if we can get to a place of process with each other that we are going to be able to talk to each other. Can you say that again? Well, only if we can come to a place of process. And this is, you know, I'm just beginning to try to sort this out, but I think that's the same way of saying being in self as opposed to in a part. When I'm in self, when I'm centered, I have that, that capacity to be wise, to see many choices, to feel free and creative. But when I'm locked into a defensive part, no, no, I cannot see, I cannot hear what you're saying to me. Let's take it out of gun violence. Let's take it into a marriage. And you're, and you're stuck in a, your partner mm-hmm. says, you know, you really need to shape up. You're drinking too much. And you lock down right. or you're, you're angry that defensive part locks in and then you're bound by that mm-hmm. i just want to add something to what you're saying you're, you've made a differentiation uh between self and parts and mm-hmm. um so I, my way of thinking about it and, and i'd want your clarification is there's your higher self there's your whole self that mm-hmm. which incorporates all the parts of you your emotions your thinking your spirit if you're inclined all the various parts of you and then there's the defensive parts of you, which literally could be the instinctual parts of your brain that are fight, flight, and freeze, the emotional parts of your brain um, that can take over and get into sort of an automatic reaction. And when you're talking about process, it's the ability to engage your whole self rather than being in a limited, let's say, fear-based part mm-hmm. that is primarily concerned with survival. and. I think for us to be able to have a conversation like that, that incorporates, that allows for the whole self to be there, uh, a sense of safety and a sense of openness is important to be able to say truly what's going on in each person. Um, yeah, and I think that that can be difficult because if we're locked into um, a specific pattern of perception, mm-hmm. right, which could be ideology as well, yes, then... I'm not going to be flexible enough to listen. Yes. Because the information outside of my rigid worldview 
is going to be threatening to that. So right yes. away, that's going to touch my emotional centers and, and create a wall. Yes. Okay? Whether yes. that wall is psychological or physical, but mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's similar in that sense. So, mm -hmm. um, so coming back to choice, what are the choices that would empower people as individuals to move out of that and to engage in a constructive, life-affirming process um, yeah, what would you say? Well, I would like to make it very real and say yeah. I, I realize I, w I went into shame and uh, a part, like I'm not addressing what we're talking about today. I'm so wrapped up in the pain of this tragedy mm -hmm. yeah. that I went over, you know, um, and then... What was, that, what was that part called, Sharon, for you? What, what name could you give it? Shame. Shame. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not doing this. We're, we're supposed to do it today. <laughs> okay. Um, so then I made a choice to, to listen to you and be open. And when I heard you say whole self, I went, oh, what a beautiful term, Tim, because that says more than I've been able to ex express with the word self. So then I began to kind of calm down and mm -hmm. come back into my center. And I know that difference when I'm like, you know, that shame and embarrassment, mm -hmm. I'm not doing this right versus coming back to where I could be open and appreciative and being supportive of the beautiful feeling supported. You didn't know I was going through that, but your ability to articulate what I'm trying to say and just is wonderful and it's very supportive to me so yeah. mm -hmm. i felt like okay i'm getting recentered here and that, mm -hmm. that part's not driving it anymore that i don't right you know. so right. i chose now to tell you about that wow okay brilliant so that that's this is a here and now example of that exactly it's present to what's happening in the situation you were dealing with a feeling of shame that had a particular judgment i'm not doing this right and and my focus with you is um, I want to make sure that I'm listening to you, that I'm connected with you, that I'm validating and really understanding the depth of the meaning that you're creating. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to be curious with you mm -hmm. because fundamentally, regardless of the content of what you're saying, you and I have developed a trust, a working trust, which is a container for our conversation. Mm -hmm. So you and I have both given each other the freedom to comment on whatever it is that we see and hear right. and whatever we're feeling. And right. so all those are choices and there's choices that are happening in the moment, like, okay, I'm going to yes. choose to express this, but then there's fundamental, I think coming back to the idea of fundamental choice, there's a fundamental choice of this is how I'm going to be with mm -hmm. Sharon. Mm -hmm. With Sharon, someone is uh, that I trust, mm -hmm. I'm going to say uh, what I'm experiencing in the moment I'm going to check out my perceptions with her if I feel like something is off or unfair or unrealistic or something. And then we're going to go from there. And I think that is that is uh, an illustration of the process of what well, we can we can bring our whole self. And if we can do that, then we can get to solving some problems. We can sort of get to the bottom of some things. But that requires a lot. I think it requires a lot of certainly vulnerability and risk taking. Uh, in doing that. But um, yeah, I appreciate you taking a risk just now and, and, mm -hmm. and revealing your shame or your, 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 
your part that was judging right. you. Yeah. Right. Right. Thank you. I think I think you know to the the overall theme of of the podcast, which is self connection. The reason why that's available to us to be able to say I feel shame is because you don't identify your whole self with that momentary experience. Right. It's exactly. like this is an experience I'm having. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I think for 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 some people that are really struggling with let's say their yes. shame, yes. if they're identified in it and lost in it, yes. then it's going to be much harder for them to express it with anyone else because they're living in the identification of I am this shame, yes. I am evil yes. or I am bad or whatever it is. And right. um, so the there's a there's a fundamental choice of I am worthwhile and I can feel things like shame and guilt and anger and whatever the the, the whole spectrum mm-hmm. can be. And I think the, the grounding in that is, is really important as we're talking about it. So right. yeah. and ultimately the feeling of mattering. Yeah. That I matter. Mm-hmm. That you have value and worth, mm-hmm. regardless of how messy the the experience that's going on inside may be. Yeah. And I think that in and we talked before we started about how these uh, tragedies, these these mass shootings, they're so complicated that they're they're multivariable, and there's no way you can point to one thing. People often do that because they're trying to make sense of it. They're trying to get, they're trying to bring in a sense of known within the unknown, within the chaos. Yes. Yes. Um, but I think one element of it is to what you just said. Um, how do I feel like I matter? How do I feel a sense of being seen or validated? These are fundamental needs mm-hmm. of human beings. Mm-hmm. And um, coming to a sense of, of power in some case, I don't know. I can't comment on any of these situations, but mm-hmm. I think whether we're in the position of... Uh, you know, experiencing or witnessing or uh, in whatever connection you may have to these tragedies, that sense of power and that sense of being seen is is one of the fundamental things of being human. And um, yeah, I wonder what your thought is around for, for your experience or your uh, research around this topic. What, what would you say is, is part of the motivation related to the sense of needing to be seen, um, needing to feel validated. Um, is that any part of what may be motivating these uh, horrible actions? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the uh, experts that I read said that they, that they saw some themes uh, and that the themes were that they were mostly white men, they often had a grievance. Mm-hmm. Um, they often were in some kind of big pain in their family, some kind of pain. One of the uh, reports this morning that they said that the, the fellow who did the killing in, in Dayton felt like an outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and another piece of the theme that they talked about was desiring glory and recognition. Right. So 
you know, in some ways, in my mind, it all comes back to not feeling like they matter. You know, whether it's a white nationalist who's all the social media is saying, we got to preserve ourselves, we're going to be replaced, we will not be replaced. I mean, that's, they don't feel like they matter. Mm. You know, or somebody who knows that they're going to die, but has convinced themselves that they're going to have glory in the death. Look how deep that longing is to matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Or on the other hand, when we talk about somebody who's holding a grievance, I think about how can we help people um, deal with pain in some other way than killing? You know? I mean, it's, it's like it's become a fast track. If I'm in pain and I'm angry and somebody and my perception is that people are being unfair to me, yeah, you know, I'll go kill. Yeah, and and to tie to the the idea of grievances um, is what is the emotion that fuels that, and that's a deep bitterness and resentment and anger mm-hmm. that fuels uh, motivation for for wrath, for for vengeance, mm-hmm. and and revenge, and so. To heal that, I mean, both of us as therapists is mm-hmm. like, well, you've, you've got to heal at the fundamental of the internal experience of anger. Yes. That's that violent anger. Yes. And so sometimes that violence can be internal to the point of suicide. Okay, yes. like, yes. I'm so angry mm-hmm. with myself that I'm depressed, right? Yes. Anger turned inwards is, is uh, depression. And anger turned outwards is projected so in in terms of the satire language it would be the blaming stance so a pointed finger a pointed finger outward yes projecting out it's all your fault yes and if i could just correct what's going out in the world then the world would be okay yes so that's such a powerful motivation tied into this theme of the importance of mattering mm-hmm. um, if i can have any impact on the world any kind of control or influence on the world mm-hmm. that's that's really important mm-hmm. um, for me what what's helped separate that out is when it when what I'm driven by is power then I know I'm in my ego I'm in my little self or I'm in mm-hmm. a part mm-hmm. but when when I'm thinking about something that extends beyond that not just my ego my need to matter then I'm into my higher self which is more connected to wisdom and I define I think about wisdom as incorporating the the valuing of myself others and the environment mm-hmm. and and I think where some of those toxic emotions like anger and resentment come in is it, it really isolates the individual and and I think in in a lot of these situations of, of what I've researched and, and, and seen and experienced that isolation when a person's wrapped up in a, a kind of emotion like anger and resentment mm-hmm. can create such big pain that yes. violence is, is often the outcome of that. Like, yes. I don't know how else to react or how else to get my need met, right. um, either being violent towards myself or being violent towards other. Yes. So, um, you know, and I think, I think one of the temptations is to react, you know, to situations with our own ego and to say to point a finger and to get into a blaming stance or or this kind of thing but i think to 
to try to communicate as, as we're trying to make sense of it, mm-hmm. being able to um, communicate and to be connected to a sense of our, our whole self, not just a part, is going to be very important. And mm-hmm. for each individual that is experiencing a strong emotions, to be able to own that and to take care of that which is going on inside of them. I think as, as individuals, that's the an important first step in, mm-hmm. in trying to heal. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, I think we have failed little boys and therefore men that in, no, in figuring out how to help them identify what's, what's underneath the anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I do believe that one of the things that we can do is to begin to educate men and boys that anger is a secondary emotion and that what other emotions might be under there that they could look for. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, that's what I call the heart feelings. Okay. Yeah. And that because when, again, we talk about the perception if the perception is no this is what's making me angry this is the event and anger is the only feeling then then the uh, odds of either getting uh, into a want to say argument with somebody or worse uh, go way up or getting depressed but that mm-hmm. I just I, I really think that that most people do not know that anger is a secondary emotion. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a result of cultural and family rules around what is what is the range of emotions that is permissible, that are acceptable yes. for yes. men, for young men, for boys. Yes, and that's there's a there's a there's a big socialization aspect to that. Exactly, and to in to increase our um, openness. And mm-hmm. this the space for all human beings to feel all emotions, mm-hmm. to express all of those emotions freely, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. A, is a very important uh, part of, because feelings are like pre-verbal cognitions, right? They're mm-hmm. they're ways of feeling through our environment and touching upon what what's beyond our grasp. If I don't have access to my full ability to basically think in a sense mm-hmm. with my emotions, I, I'm basically disabling myself mm-hmm. from learning. Uh-huh. So feeling all feelings, there, it makes no sense to restrict that for for anyone, regardless of age or gender or any of that. I mean, they're human universals. And so, um, but again, it, it's it's such a large topic. I, I would, I think I it sort of invites us to, Thank to you for, go into it. Yeah. For, <laughs> let me say that. Yeah. But, um, and, and so maybe we can get into choices again uh-huh. uh, next time. Mm-hmm. But um, I think one thing that, that may be a good segue for what we could explore next time is um, what, what, is the, what is the recipe or what are the ingredients uh, that empower someone to become a congruent choice maker? Right? So what are the things that I can work on and cultivate and grow within myself? Mm-hmm. Um, so some beginning ideas of that. And, and we can get into this more next time because I think this is such a great topic is my sense of responsibility, mm-hmm. my my self-awareness, mm-hmm. my connection to myself and my will, mm-hmm. my connection and cultivation of love, mm-hmm. 
my wisdom, and my creativity. And I would so, say values. And your values. Okay. Yes. And okay, so Sharon, how are you? How are you feeling about our conversation today? Any any final uh, reflections? Good, any good. I love that we could um, I could say that to you, and we could talk about it, and you know, <laughs> have it very real, right? Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, thank you for for being connected uh, with me, and um, why don't we stop there? <laughs>